and it's um, education that took me into that when Berkshire County Council did something I didn't like, I decided to take them on. <coughs> I've been there ever since. Um, I retired from working at Prudential um, about two and a half years ago, so I have a financial background. Um, and that took me into the credit union as a volunteer. And like most of the things I tend to do, I can't do them half heartedly. I have to be 150% in. And I joined the board of directors about two and a half years ago. And I'm vice chairman of the board. Um, and that's me, basically. I'm a mum, I've got six grandchildren. End of story. I hate housework. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Jamie and um, I am a sport and community outreach worker at um, the FBC Centre. Um, it's probably the longest title in the place, so I take great pride in that. <laughs> um, so, uh, half of my role is related to the sport that goes on there, um, which I'm going to talk too much about tonight, and the other half is that I'm responsible for the community work of the Council of Baptist Church. Um, which is a really exciting role, and I've got to tell you that I love it. I feel very lucky to be in the role I am. Just as a bit of background, before I was doing this, I, um, I worked for a charity that works with long-term unemployed people. Uh, I grew up on a pretty big estate, about 30,000 people, just outside Portsmouth, and there was a lot of um, issues with and a lot of people using food banks there. Um, I've, I haven't been in this area that long since I started here. Got married in June last year and, and moved up in July. Um, so I'm just still learning my way around the place, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good picture of me. My name's Sue. I hate housework too. So anything to get me out of the house. <laughs> um, I've got a lot in common with Beth. Um, I too retired about 18 months ago. I was a secondary school teacher and I worked for 27 years at the Piggott School in Twyford. Had quite a lot of different roles there. Uh, some of you might know of Piggott because Keith Atten was the head there, um, so I know him quite well. Um, I taught geography and for 10 years I was special needs coordinator. Then I was head of Key Stage 3, which is looking after the pastoral care of years 7, 8, and 9 for three years. And then for the last 10 years of my career, I was Head of Geography, which just returned me to my geographical passion. Um, I'm a member of Prothorn Baptist Church. I've been involved there, I think we worked out, it was 33 years. I'm part of the leadership team there. I've done lots of different roles there as well. I've been involved in education, still teach learning groups, being responsible for outreach. And at the minute, I'm and responsible for a big new build that we're trying to do. I'm sort of head of our team. We're trying to build, some of you will know, we're trying to build a new church on the high street. And so I'm connected with that. And this year is also very special for Prothorn Baptist Church. It's our 100 year anniversary. And we're busy organizing lots of events to organize the centenary. So there's no time for housework, which is good. Food <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about in a minute. Um, save our panelists having to stand up every time they address you. Are you happy for them to stay seated? Yes. Yeah. 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 Is that okay with you all? I mean, if you feel that you must stand up and make a point, that's absolutely fine, but just somehow seems more friendly if we stay seated. Um, you, you can see I'm not standing up. I'll stand up again 
quite soon. Okay, um, so Beth, thank you for those introductions. If you would like to talk to us a bit about what a credit union is and, and how it works and who uses them. Okay, a credit union, um, if you live in Australia or America or Jamaica or any part of Africa, you know instantly what a credit union is because they're very strong in most parts of the world. In the north of England, they're much stronger than they are in the very rich south. <coughs> credit unions are very simple organisations, really. A group of people that band together. Um, everyone that uses the credit union has to be a member. Whatever they're doing, you have to be a member. And they are uh, a cooperative. Um, people save money with credit unions. They borrow from credit unions. That's the very basic one. We're quite basic in Berkshire. We were established in 2003 as Reading Credit Union, funded by Reading Borough Council, and moved over in 2007 to be Berkshire Credit Union, and we were then funded by five of the six unitary authorities. Bracknell wouldn't fund. They did initially, but not anymore. And we no longer have any funding from the local authorities apart from Reading. Um, we have about 2,000 odd members, not all of them are active. Some of them are wealthy residents in wealthy areas, and some of them may be in Finch Hampstead. Um, you're allowed to save £15,000 with us, that's currently the legal limit, and they will put their £15,000 in there and think, that's it, I've done it now, I've helped those poor people. And what we do is we lend that money to other people who are really poor and who can't borrow money from anywhere else. And there are a huge amount of people who are disenfranchised from the financial institutions that we have in this country now, especially since things have tightened up. So you have to jump over about 40 hoops to open a bank account. You certainly can't open a bank account if you haven't got anywhere to live, and lots of things that you can't do. We never refuse anyone membership. All they need is to be able to put five pounds in an account and they're a voting member. And everything we do is voting in our members. In fact, it's our AGM on Monday and the members this year will vote for the first time in the life of the credit union not to pay a dividend to our members. Um, last year we paid 1.2%, which compares with about a an ordinary current account that bears interest. Um, this year we're not paying anything, and I think that's a sign of the times. Funding stopped because of local authority cuts, uh, and so we have to become self-sufficient. Now, how are we self-sufficient? We've got several ways. Um, every loan that we make, we can charge 2% per month interest, which is about 26 point something percent per annum which sounds horrendous to you in Finch Hampstead, but if you put it against the other loans that they got at 5,000% per annum, it's peanuts, and they're not bothered about it. From the 1st of April, we'd be able to charge 3% per annum because a lot of our loans are very risky. We lend to the poor. We lend to people that can't borrow from anywhere else. And we can only do that if people who aren't poor use credit unions. Um, if they could do it for saving and investment and not be too worried about interest. Some people that have got the maximum holding with us give us back the dividend. So they don't need it, they don't want it, they've got plenty of money, and so we use it for our operational costs. 
We currently have two paid employees and we run on about 38 volunteers, one of whom you'll hear about from Jamie in a little while. Um, and they run the office. One paid employee runs the office and does everything and I'm another paid employee and I work with local primary schools. Part of what we do in working with people nowadays is to realise that um, a lot of people who are the generation of my children don't have financial education. They don't know how money works, they have a bit of plastic in their hand, they give it to somebody and they get what they want. And there's no money involved in that. It doesn't hit your brain in the same way. I know my granddaughter says to me when I haven't got any money, hmm, get your card out. That's it. And she, they haven't clicked that this is the same thing. Uh, and the other thing is they don't know how to budget and how to make sure they pay their priority bills before they gamble or before they do something else that isn't quite as wise. Um, and all that is missing from what they do in life. They start out as young people living together, they have children, and then before they turn around and know where they are, they're up to here and there. They can't make the bills, they don't know what to do, and there's nobody to turn to. Um, Reading's quite well equipped with people for them to turn to. Um, they can borrow money from us if they can afford it, if it's in their best interest, if it's not going to be too much for them and we will make a loan fit whatever they can do. Um, we have people who want to borrow to move house, um, all that sort of thing, because you need a huge deposit if you're renting, three months rent and a, an extra month as a deposit, which is a lot of money, um, all that sort of thing. Loans for children's clothes, loans for things that normally come out of expenses, but at the same time as we do that loan, we will talk to them about budgeting, We'll talk to them about making better decisions with their money. We'll talk to them about looking at the whole picture, working out what you've got coming in, and working out not only what you want tomorrow, but what you've got to pay next month. Your MOT's coming up, if you're not prepared for it, and having forbid the car fails, you don't know what to do, you've got no money. Um, and that's where trouble starts. I hope Bonnie's going to ask later on what can we do to help you, and I'm sure you will, because Joe is listening. <laughs> um, and that's a sort of great thing, a group of people who are like mind, who put their money in the pot and share it out between them and to someone who needs it more than they do. The money's safe, it's never lost, any bad debts are absorbed by our operating expenses. So if you put your money in, it's guaranteed by the financial services, guaranteed system, exactly the same as your bank, your building society, or anything else. So that's about it. Okay, thank you. And uh, James going to add a little bit more local colour, I think. Yeah, so every uh, Thursday at the FBC Centre, we've got a little volunteer called Jake, who pops in and sets up a table and uh, he is free for anyone to drop in who might want to talk about uh, credit union or might want to and it, he's uh, trainers qualified to, to help them so they just refer them to actually talk to them and set something up and uh, it's really useful to have that sort of um, sort of opportunity to do it there and then you see what I mean and it's been great actually to see 
people understand more about what a credit union is. And there's a lot of people that talk to him that didn't really know at all. Like I said, it's, it's not as well known uh, as we might ex expect. Um, so yeah, that's that's the sort of local outworking of that. Okay. Good. Well, that's a good introduction to credit unions, and uh, I'm sure we will come back. So, since you've obviously primed members of the audience to ask the right questions, <laughs> we will have a good discussion tonight. Should we, should we move on to the food banks then and do the same kind of thing just to understand the basics about how they operate and the sort of people who are tending to use them? So, thank you. Thank you. But Crowthorne Food Bank has been there since December 2012, so it's a relatively new thing. It was set up and it's managed by Vineyard Church, which in Crowthorne meets at Edgeborough School Hall. I'm a volunteer at the food bank, but I've got nothing to do with Vineyard, but I now know a lot of lovely Christians from Vineyard, and it's really good that the Christians in Crowthorne are working together. It operates from a building at the post office end of the high street, and for those of you that know Crowthorne, it used to be Nicholson's lawnmower repair shop, and it was empty for a while. And Vineyard Church actually um, rent that from, from Edwards next door, and they pay the rent and they pay the bills and they've done a lot of work in converting that old workshop into a storehouse and a reception area. So what happens is that the food is all donated. There is a list of food that goes in a standard pack. All the food that is given to clients has to be long life and it's, it's not perishable. So things like soup, beans, spaghetti, vegetables, rice, pasta, long-life milk, long-life juice, tin meat, tin fish, tea, coffee, biscuits, rice, custard, things like that. And so the, the food bank in Crowthorn is organised, belongs to the Trussell Trust. You may have heard of the Trussell Trust. There are lots or several organisations that run food banks. I think the Trussell Trust is probably the biggest one in the country. So we are affiliated and part of the Trussell Trust setup, and they produce a list which is what we have to provide, and that's nutritionally balanced food. And the idea is that if you come to the food bank as a client, you are given food for you and your family to help you in a time of crisis, in a time of emergency. It's not really designed that people come back again and again and again and become dependent on that food. It is meant to help in a time of crisis. And it should last three days, but I think most of the clients eke it out and make it last a lot, lot longer than three days. So food is donated. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from a variety of sources. Uh, we have individual local people that come in when we're open and donate food. Most of the churches, including the church here in the area, um, donate food as well. From time to time, we have supermarket collections. Waitrose and Tesco's in particular are very, very helpful. And so we have days when there'll be food bank volunteers standing outside a supermarket as people go in and say, say what we're doing, and give them a list and say, if you'd like to, if you'd be kind enough to buy one extra thing, and when you come out, give it to us, we'd be very, very grateful. So we get a lot of food that way. If you shop at the Meadows down at um, Sandhurst, there's a table there all the time, and somebody from the food bank goes once a week and collects the food donated there. 
The co-op in Crowthorne also has a trolley that I collect every Monday morning and wheel up the high street. And so comes from a variety of sources. Um, there's an old people's sheltered accommodation in Crowthorne and they come in every now and again and give us food. We've got quite good links from local schools. They also might donate food on this harvest festival or something like that. And so at the minute we have a store, I suppose it's about a sixth of the size of this room and it's packed with food. We are very, very fortunate, very blessed that people donate so freely and willingly. So we are not short of food at Crowthorne Food Bank. When it comes in, it has to be weighed. We don't deal in money at all, but we have to be accountable. So everything is, is weighed that comes in and everything that goes out is also weighed so that the books are balanced. It's checked that it's in date. If it's not in date, we can't give it out. It has to be thrown away. And it's then stored. It's all stored very carefully in date order. And then other people will actually pack bags. So we have bags for single people, couple, family of three, uh, family of four, and family of five plus. And so they have another part of the setup that's, all, that's got these bags ready packed for when clients come in. So some volunteers when they come in will be weighing and storing and other people will be weighing up, making up bags. We also deal in toiletries because if people can't afford food they probably can't afford toiletries either and we also have cleaning materials. I don't think everyone does that but we also give out packs of toiletries and cleaning materials. So how do people become a client at a food bank? In an ideal world, a person is referred to the, client, to the food bank and they come with a voucher which says that they are eligible for food. So we've got a variety of people that have got vouchers. All the local churches have got vouchers so they can fill in one for a person. Uh, social workers, family support workers, citizens advice bureaus, job centres, they all have vouchers as well. And so ideally, a client comes in with a voucher and we know that they really need that food. Because we have to be accountable for the food that we give out, we don't want to give it to people that aren't deserving. So ideally, they come with a voucher. Controversially though, if somebody does come and they are in need, we will give them a voucher ourselves. But according to the rules, we're not meant to do that too often, but we find it very hard if people come and they are in need, and people generally won't come through the door unless they are really in need, because people find it very hard to admit that they can't feed themselves or feed their families. So most people that come and ask for our help really do need help. So that's where the food comes from, and what we do with it, and how we pack it up, and where the vouchers come from. But what, what sort of people are coming to Crowthorne Food Bank? I've got some figures for the national situation, and nationally in the last year, for Trussell Trust, 30% were referred due to benefit delays, 80% due to low income, and 15% due to benefit changes. Not everybody that comes to a food bank is out of work. Some people are working people, perhaps part-time, but they find that their wages have stayed the same, 
but their bills have gone up and they can't make ends meet. So it could be people who are working but still haven't got enough money. Um, often people say it's, it's to do with benefit delays. And a word you often hear as well is benefit sanctions. If you don't follow the rules properly, your benefit can be stopped. So for example, if you're in, I don't quite understand all the rules, but if you are in hospital, your benefit is stopped. And when you come out of hospital, it's not necessarily started straight away. And so people come because their benefit has been sanctioned. Um, so a lot of it is to do with benefit delays, benefit changes. Occasionally we get people who are homeless. Quite often it's people who are disabled in some way. There's been a lot of news about benefit changes for disability and that's hit quite a lot of disabled people. Quite often it's um, mums for various reasons they're now on their own and they haven't got enough money to feed their children. So it's a variety of different reasons why people come but on the whole people will talk to us about benefits and that's one of the reasons that they're struggling. So part of our reason for being there is not just to give out food. The Vineyard and the Trust, this, our particular food bank is a Christian organisation and we sit down and we talk to people, we offer them a cup of tea or coffee, we've got toys for children to play with and we ask them about their situation, we talk to them and towards the end of the conversation we, we offer to pray with the clients. And more often than not, people are absolutely delighted and they say, yes, please, we would like you to pray for us. So you will pray for particular situations. And we say, what would you like us in particular to pray for today? And that's what we pray about. And it's quite challenging as volunteers, even if you're not a Christian, to actually sit down in a relatively open space, because there's lots of other people milling about, but people you don't know, and but we do sit down and pray with them, and later on I'll be able to tell you how God has in fact answered some of those prayers and honoured the work that we do and helped people that we work with. So I think that's the main things that I need to tell you. Other than, part of our role as well is to try and signpost people to other help. People don't just walk in hungry. They walk in with a whole raft of problems. The hunger will be, cut, will be linked to something else, unemployment, or as has been alluded to, perhaps not spending their money wisely, debt, etc., etc. And so we do try very hard <coughs> to signpost people to other organisations that can help. In particular, one we find it's really useful is Christians Against Poverty, and they work with individual people and help them to deal with their debt. So that's one area that we signpost people to. And I've learned this evening about credit unions, and all the time we are learning on the job. There's nobody, a fully trained food bank worker. You learn as you go along, and we now know that credit unions is somewhere else we can signpost people to. So that gives you, I hope, an overview of how our particular food bank operates in Crowthorn. Thank you. I think Jamie, Jamie is now going to do his local application. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, um, for, for for quite a long time, yeah, in terms of that, we've been praying about 
how best to serve the local community. That's a blessing that it came about that food, a food bank maybe needed in the local area because uh, there's ones in Wakingham and ones in Crayford, but transport links aren't great and it can be really difficult. Obviously, if you, if you, need, if you can't afford food, people can't afford a bus and it's quite a long way to get and people might want to walk. So, what we've done is um, we are a food bank agency of Crowthorn. So we're not our own food bank. The way I think of it is Crowthorn is like the factory and all the food goes there and it's sort of put it into bags and sort of processed like that. And then we go and collect the food once it's been accounted for uh, and then we store it in, in two locations. So we've got some in the children's centre, in the FBC centre and uh, we've also just started uh, work at Parish Halls on Billing Things Avenue. So we do a, a Tuesday simple lunch, which is a community lunch, uh, open to anyone. And we just do some soup and roll and we're lucky a bit of cake. And uh, so the idea of that is that people might come along and we meet people, learn about the needs, and people will find out that they can access food banks from there, their food parcels from there. Uh, and. Um, the reason we sort of made it into a simple lunch and a, um, a food bank together is that it can be really hard to ask for food and it can be um, kind of really demoralising and I think it's part of the British psyche that we try and save face and keep stiff off the lip and, and no one wants to know, you don't want people to know that you can't provide and that's really hard and there's a sort of psychology behind this, it, it's, it's so it can be really demoralising for people. So we, what we're trying to do is, uh, through the simple lunches, um, make it less obvious for people to just walk up, ask for food, and then go. They can come sit down, chat, have a hot meal, um, spend some time in community. Because as well, if, if you're you can't afford food from the supermarket, you don't eat out, <laughs> and uh, so then you uh, tend to stay in more, and there's a bit of loss of community there. So as well as um, food, it's just talking to people. And, and uh, recognising that side of the need, and that's a, a critical as well as those people to talk to. And I think that is uh, that's a big part of it. So meeting people's sort of uh, physical needs and their emotional side too. Um, just to touch on quickly, uh, we're talking about m money issues and worklessness issues. Those are two big things, and um, a couple of responses that just uh, has that is we've just started a money course, which is. Uh, sort of resource through Christian village poverty, and we're currently trialing that on our congregation. So we'll get all the mistakes out on us, but we know that we'll open it up. And uh, also, we're going to start a, a job club, uh, which is basically a, a place where other people can come and, and we run about a six week course and how to search for work and different skills to do with that. Um, but sort of bring it back to the simple lunch where every first and third Tuesday of the month. And um, again, we're looking at signposting in various different areas as well, recognising that food is, may not be the only need. So um, we've taken a bit of a step of faith with it, and I was so blessed that at the first simple lunch, we had a really great time, and it was a really nice atmosphere. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of where I, I think probably because not everybody here, even if they're from these churches, will know that the simple lunch is a, is a joint initiative yeah. between between Finch and California and FBC and that's just like Crowthorn Food Bank which, which, is, which is run by 
Coney Island with his lot of volunteers from others. And it, it's a really good effort that we're doing together. So, um, and, and it was uh, it was great as well. Uh, so the partnership is, is hugely important. And um, at the first meeting, we asked for volunteers to come, and we had volunteers from both churches, which is brilliant. And we also had volunteers from the local community, which is excellent. And uh, Mark Carroll could say, oh, we'd really love to pray with people. And I said, so why? <laughs> why do you want to do that? And it was a really cool opportunity to say, well, we believe that God was the best for people. And we really, it just comes out. And, um, and they still came back. <laughs> um, so that was a real question, yeah. Thank you. We, I, one of the questions I thought would be really interesting to ask the panelists, and I think some of it's already come out um, already because um, we're not short of enthusiasm on our panel, are we? But one, one of the things that um, I ask them to do is, is um, the kind of things that they've learned from their involvement, whether it's with the credit union or with, with um, the, the food bank. And so, um, who back to you, do you think, Beth? Yes, thank you. Um, I think I've personally grown hugely in the last few years. Um, my empathy levels have grown. My ability to deal with people where they are has grown because it's only preaching at people that don't understand. They don't understand. Um, and my passion for education has grown because if we don't get it right in education, we don't get it right for people in life. And so I've persuaded a local charity, the only charity who had lots of money, to pay for um, a project working with local primary schools to teach young people, four to 11 year olds, about money. And while they're teaching them about money, to encourage them to save, and they become young savers with the credit union. And I don't care if they save tuppence a week or two pounds a week or whatever. But the fact that they save, and at the end of a certain time, they have money that they can do something with, I think is a lesson for them in life that is missing from today's society where I want it now. And I don't care what it costs, and I will get the money to get it. And I was with a school yesterday in Whitleywood. Whitleywood's very different to Finchhampstead. <laughs> very different. Um, I would think probably 80% of people live on benefits. Um, for a lot of young people, their families haven't worked for a generation, and the children's aspirations are pretty low. And we have agreed that for this infant school, it's an infant school, with about 300 young people in it, um, they will decide what they're going to do at the end of term, but every child in the school will be encouraged to save as much as they can for an end of term treat. And they have worked on that treat. And the charity have really kindly agreed to make the difference. So the children will see a short-term result for their savings because a year's an awful long time to someone when they're six. Isn't it? It's, it means you get older, it goes too fast. And so that sort of practical expression of how we can train young people um, fits into my other passion of education. Um, and the children run the clubs themselves. Some of the children are really clever. And they can keep their podcasts. <laughs> 
and they can record money and they can count money um, and they can save money and see what they're doing. So it's taught me that if we meet people where they are, and I'm sure that's what Jesus would have said to us, um, you know, just because you didn't want to be not posh. I think are probably a bit posh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Um, you have to be with people where they are in their need. And you don't have to judge them. You have to empathise with them. You have to befriend them. And I think that's the beauty of the systems that the three of us have here. That we empathise, we befriend, and we love them the way Jesus would have loved. And that's what he wants us to do. And so as a person, as a Christian, as somebody who spouts about credit unions and education all the time, I'm absolutely boring. Um, I hate my church, I have to put up with it. <laughs> okay, Jamie, what about that? Okay, so um, I suppose the thing that strikes me is the, uh, the depth and complexity of people at every level. And uh, I've certainly not, I've certainly learned not to write people off. I'm always pleasantly surprised um, by just um, how incredible people are. And I think it's, it's, it can be, can be difficult to even Someone came in 
and they said, oh, Jane, my, my friend's really in need of it, and she's there, they really need some food. And um, talked about it, and, and before we'd given lots of food out to, through like third party agencies and do different things, but this is the first time she had come into my office and spoke to me, and it was, it was really sad talking to her, because the friend was in need, but part of me was going, you came! <laughs> And that's the gift you can, you know that, that you can come to the church if you if you fall on hard times so, and you know what, praise God for that. And that we could we could with resource food really quickly that afternoon. And uh, I just um, and that's just the start, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, thank you. So. I totally agree with everything that's been said already. Um, I've learned so much in the last year working at the food bank and in other things and the main message is that God is very alive and very active in Prothorn and it's really exciting to see it in so many different ways. Uh, sometimes a client will bring in one of their friends, a client brings in their next door neighbour who's in the same situation. Clients come in and they say they whoever they are, probably to do with the benefits system and the powers that be, they don't care. But we come to food bank and you do care. And that is just fantastic. Twice I've been handed cheques for £500 for food bank from non-Christians. One lady came in with a trolley full of food and her daughter, a teenage daughter, had held a coffee morning and she'd raised 70 pounds and the daughter and mum had gone to the co-op and filled up a trolley spending her 70 pounds and mum brought that food up to the food bank. It's just fantastic. We've seen incredible answers to prayer. Ali from Finch, who Jamie knows and came to work with us to find out about food bank, we were talking to a lady who had been in work, but she damaged her wrist at work and was out of work because her hand was damaged. And she was desperately waiting for an operation. She came in a couple of months later. We prayed with her the day that she came in, and we prayed that the operation would happen quickly and it would be successful. She came in two months later and said after we prayed with her a couple of days later she got the hospital appointment she'd had the op and her hand was beginning to work better and she ascribed it to the prayer that was amazing and we had another example a family came in as a, a couple and two children they were living in one room and we said what would you like us to pray about and they also said they wanted some better accommodation so we prayed that God would provide a house. That's a pretty brave prayer. They came in a couple of weeks later really excited because they had been given a house to live in a couple of days later. And you just can't argue that God is at work. So you put yourself on the line a little bit and you do pray with people and God is answering prayers and showing those clients that he is alive and that he cares about them. So that's some of the things that I've learned. Thank you. I think we've already begun to touch a bit on this next point, which is what do you think the churches can learn, and what churches as churches can do, as well as having 
uh, individual volunteers within their membership. So, have you got any ideas on that? Well, this one also, yeah. What can you do as a church? Um, you can give us money because we need money to operate. Uh, we need money to pay our rent. Actually, we, we rent our building from a church in London Street in Reading from St Giles and we paid them about £19,000 a year and after Archbishop Welby spoke about credit unions I asked him for the money back <laughs> working on the fact that if you don't ask you don't get and they said no and that broke my heart I thought that was really difficult however there are other things that are good um, so you can donate money to us and we've got a charity called Berkshire Money Wise that we will be using for donations because we can then claim tax back to UK taxpayers and that seems a good idea to me. Um, you can save with us, you can save regularly so that that will enable us to lend your money to other people who need to borrow money or if you need to borrow money then you can borrow from us. We will match any bank interest rate that you can get. We won't charge you the 2% or 3% a month that we charge for our very risky loans. But the interest that you pay on your loan is our operating money. It's what keeps us going. So if you're going to buy a new car, a new kitchen, a new whatever, then ask us if you can borrow the money from us. You have to be a member, but you know, life's not all wonderful. Um, £10 in share accounts and we'll lend you 10 At the moment we can lend £10,000 to any one person over five years. And so we match banks. So it's all around money. Except if you want to volunteer like lovely Jake. Um, Jake works in Reading as well. He works in Reading on a Wednesday all day. Um, I call him the A-team, Jake and Sue. And then he does think chance to join the week for a couple of hours because that's where he lives. And so we need lots of volunteers to do all sorts of things for us. Um, if you've got office work, that's good. Members decide who's going to borrow money. So it's not me, it's not anybody else. It's a group of members who to get together, look at each application and decide whether to give it or not. And it's members who make sure that we're doing things properly. We call them the credit committee for loans and the supervisory committee that make sure we're following all the rules and regulations. And so if you've got a talent that way, or for anything else, and you've got time, that's what we need to. Okay, um, should we pass it over to Sue? I think perhaps lateral thinking is something that's needed. We are always finding new needs and new answers. Just recently, we've had a sign go up at the Food Bank, a poster. There is an organisation that if you've got a child and a birthday coming up, you probably, if you haven't got much money, you can't afford to buy a nice birthday cake. Well, this company, I don't know who they are, and I don't know how it works, but this company, if you contact them, they will provide a birthday cake for your child, which is fantastic. It's only a little thing, but for that family and that child, it might mean the difference between a fantastic birthday and a complete disaster. So somebody somewhere came up with that right idea 
families in need, I could help provide a birthday cake. With a lot of the benefit changes that are coming up, people who apply for benefits are going to need to use a computer and they need computer skills. So a lot of our clients, they may not have access to a working computer, and they may not have the literacy or the computer skills. So perhaps churches and groups of people could be doing education along those lines, We're talking about money management, but there's other things as well to do with literacy <coughs> and computer skills. The organisation CAP needs more workers to, to train to become a Christians Against Poverty worker. It's quite expensive, and I think it's quite a big time commitment, but if we had more CAP, CAP workers in the area, that would be fantastic. So I know there are some in Bracknell, but if you ring up, you have to go on a waiting list, and somebody might not be able to help you for six months, by which time you're probably in huge debt, and it's all gone pear-shaped. So it's thinking out of the box, really, thinking widely, and having an understanding of what life is like for people who are without as much money as some of us have. The chap we work with, he was given a bicycle by Kerith Church in Bracknell. And that bicycle has transformed his life. It means he can get from Sandhurst to the food bank in Crowthorne under his own steam. He couldn't before. Transport is a real, real issue for people. So I don't know all the answers by any means, but it's thinking creatively, thinking widely, and being empathetic. Jamie, I'm going to invite you to start the political section. <laughs> um, I said that we'd save this up until towards the end of the panel discussion, but um, I've, I've got here a, a headline, Bishops Blame Benefit Changes for Food Crisis, and that's not untypical of the kind of media interest that there's been recently about food banks. Um, and before that, you may remember um, uh, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, had quite a lot to say about payday lenders and how uh, he wanted to put them out of business and that his favourite route for doing that was through credit unions. And um, in both cases, but more particularly in this recent um, example where uh, bishops in the Church of England, many other church leaders have spoken out not so much about the need for food banks, but the underlying reasons that um, food banks are necessary uh, has drawn attention to something which politicians are not comfortable with, which is why many politicians have responded um, quite um, uh, robustly and told the church to keep out of these kind of things as if, as if we weren't involved in all areas of life. So, Jamie, do you have a take on this? Give us a few provocative thoughts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, well, just some ordinary thoughts. That. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's. A, it's I'm personally, I think it's great to be in the church and talk about social issues. And um, I personally think that the church is a good understanding, uh, having served the poor for many, many years. <laughs> um, I think climate today. Um, economic climate, it means there's a lot of pressure on the, those at the bottom of society. And as well as uh, the, the benefit system, which don't get me started on benefit system, my goodness, is that hard? 
But if we take that out of the picture, all right, rise, the rise in energy price has been huge, and the rise in food price has been huge. So even if your benefits haven't been affected recently, even living off, off that amount can be really difficult because um, it's just the cost of living has gone up so much. Um, I mean, if we do look at the benefit system just briefly, it can be that, um, say, uh, do you know about these zero hour contracts? So someone might find work. If you find some work, and, and uh, great, then you, you come off benefits. But it might be that's temporary, and you work for, for however long. And then when that work finishes, you need to get back onto benefits to, to keep going. And then there, there can be a huge delay. <laughs> in getting you back on. And those sorts of <coughs> delays can be, can be just devastating for people. Having no income coming in, can you imagine? Um, um, so it does feel like a real up uphill struggle for guys. Um, yeah. In that, not only is the benefits is really tricky and, and it's hard to know how to navigate it well, um, but also um, just general pressures of costs from, from elsewhere are, are really high at the moment. So I think that, um, I mean, hopefully we're, we're out of recession and things are progressing and, and getting better. Uh, but it, it's, a lot of people aren't seeing that right now. Okay, so what do you think about this political stuff? Uh, I have a few facts about that go, goes with the food prices. Um, I think some of us find it hard to accept the, the reality of things. But I watched a programme um, on television last week, the farmer Jimmy from East Anglia, Jimmy's farm, and he was talking about world food prices. And um, in this country, food has increased by 25% in the last six years. Uh, rice has increased by 200% in one year. And beef mince has increased by 70% in the last 10 years. So, if your income has stayed the same, you are really struggling. And I heard on the radio, I don't know who, where this came from, but on the Today programme last week, this was a staggering statistic. The 20th, 20 wealthiest families in the UK own more than the 20% of the poorest families in the UK. So the 20 wealthiest families in the UK, if you put their income together, they own more than 20% poorest families in this country. That's just staggering. So my view is that if you are at the bottom of society, everything is stacked against you and life is really, really tough. And I think as Christian community, we need to stand with those people. Now sometimes people do misuse the money they have. Some of the people that come into the food bank are alcoholics. We know that and they tell us that. A lady walked in the other day, she didn't come for food, but she'd come because we knew we would talk to her and she had just gambled the money that her husband had lent her because she hadn't got any money because she'd gambled everything she had. He helped her and she gambled it again. Some people do misuse their money. Some people do smoke. 
and people would say they should use that food to feed their family. But until we've been in that situation ourselves, I don't think we have the right to judge. So I think it's really hard, and the politics of it are very difficult, but I still want to stand with the poor and help them to not be poor. Thank you. You will be surprised to say that I'm very grateful to Justin Welby for bringing payday loans to the floor. I personally wouldn't buy a product that's advertised by anyone that supports payday loans. So if we have an actor or an actress who's doing a voiceover for payday loans, I don't do that anymore. They're doing that for money, not for right. And I think we need to stand up for what's right. Um, my granddaughter was playing on my iPad a few months ago and she said, can you not stop these Wonga things coming up? And no, I can't. And that's awful. Because they're flashing up in front of anyone. Um, a payload is really easy to get. I don't know if anyone knows. You can sit at home, you can make a phone call, and in 10 minutes, money's in your bank. And the interest rate on that money which might seem very reasonable for a week, can be up to 6,000% APR. And once you've started down that road, it's a downward spiral. Um, if I could just use an example from the credit union. Um, we had a guy come to us about 18 months or so ago. He came to us from casualty at the Royal Berkshire Hospital, and he was brought over by a nurse and they were just discharging him because he tried to commit suicide. He cut his wrists. He was a family man, got three children, uh, lived in Windsor, good job, worked at Heathrow, and he got £10,000 worth of payday loan debts. Um, he'd started very small, say £100, that he had to pay back in a week, or on payday, and that automatically meant that he was that much short on the next payday, so he had to borrow 200. And you can see how quickly that multiplies. And the only way that he could see out of that was to kill himself. And he was so deeply in debt and depressed that he couldn't see that there were people to help him out. We lent him 10,000 pounds. And he went out with that. Last week we had a lady turn up at our doorstep at half past nine in the morning person we've known for a long time, borrowed from us several times, um, works for Edinburgh Council. She's got Bailey's coming. She hardly reads, um, and she didn't understand what a Bailey's notice was, and she got confused with her money. She can't use a computer. Um, as I say, she hardly reads, let alone can use a computer. And she went home. In fact, we paid the Bailey's direct £500. Otherwise, she may have lost her house. And that's the sort of thing that's going on in our midst. You wouldn't have seen it if you'd, you know, if you'd seen her walking down the street, apart from the fact that she's crying. But she spent four hours with us. And that enabled us to sort her out. And that is out there. It's out there in Finchhampstead. There are areas in Finchhampstead where you have people who are extremely poor and don't know where to turn. And they're the people that we need to take to our hearts. Um, benefit changes. Uh, one of the things that politicians say is that we'll make it worth your while working, so you won't be worse off. That's not true. 
and I have someone who's very close to me who works at the AWE, um, and every time they get a pay raise, they lose more in their working family tax credit than they earn, and so they're getting working harder and getting progressively worse off. Where's the motivation to work harder? We've got something wrong in society, and that really makes me cross. And I'm really grateful for Justin Welby. And as a Methodist, I've learned an awful lot about how the Anglican Church works, and what a team rector is, and how difficult Bishop Andrew, Bishop of Reading, I don't know who your bishop is, he's not joined yet. I expect he's on a blacklist somewhere, finding to do things. But I'm very grateful for them, because Bishop Andrew is a wonderful man, and um, Bishop somebody of Oxford, John. Bishop John of Oxford, um, because they ask me to go to synod sometimes <laughs> and talk to them about credit unions, and they've got a real heart for it, and they're looking how they can support their local credit union in Berkshire, which is really good. So there are things among us that need to be changed, and if we as Christians don't stand up for that, and I would expect every one of you in this room voted. But a huge percentage of the population don't. And if you don't get, you don't get the government that you always want. So you must vote, and you must vote nationally, and you must vote for what you believe is true. Thank you. Well, um, I can't believe that there are not going to be a few questions as a result of the It's very moving at times, the things you've been told. And David here, um, I will just introduce, for those of you who don't know him, many of you will know him, but you won't know that he's involved in working on Food Bank as a trustee. So he kindly offered to be on the panel, but I thought that um, we've got three excellent members, but he would like to say something. I, I, I think it's been a wonderful presentation. I think it's given you a really good uh, feel for how Food Bank's work. I'd like to reinforce most of what she says. Working was even younger. Blue Crowfoot. We've only been open since September last year. But since September, we've fed 850 people from the 350 families, including a number of families from Pinchelson. The first person who ever came to us for help was a guy who'd been released from prison that day. And it was actually three days before we opened, we got a call from a social worker. He'd been released from prison. Given his training for their home and nothing else. He'd been to try and sign on for benefit, it would take at least three weeks before they would give him any benefit. So for three weeks, somebody who may have been in prison for shoplifting, for burglary, for assault, for whatever, had no food. Now, thank God we were able to help him. We had a lady come in last week, a mother with two children, had been sanctioned, as Sue said, had a benefit stopped. Why? She missed an appointment. Because the Department of Working Pensions had cancelled it. It will take her three weeks to get a benefit turned back on. We've had men come in and say to us, can you give me food I can eat cold? I owe £1,500 and I've cut off my gas and my electric. 
thin, thin chance. In working, wealthy working, we work with the Salvation Army. We give our out-of-date food to the Salvation Army. They use it to feed the homeless people. There are over 30 people living rough in working. And people just don't realise. I spoke at a church in working and I said, how close do you think the nearest person living rough is? up the track was a guy who was living in the car through that really bad winter we had last year. What did we know? I think when you get involved with this sort of effort with food banks, with credit unions, it really opens your eyes to how other people are struggling to live. Crowthorn and working on only competition, we're both trying to do the same thing. We're both trying to make sure that people who can't get enough to eat can find somewhere to get that food they need for them and their families. Um, support Crowthorn, support Wokingham, support us both. Do something to help food for poor people. Thank you. Thank you very much, David. Any other comments or questions?
Um, but we live on the red line you know, because we haven't got the money to spend. We have one salary to pay, my pay is paid for by the charity. Um, but any bad debts have to come out of that operational money and that's the crippling thing for us. Bad debts, because our loans are risky. But if you don't have operational money, then... We fold. And how close are you? Um, we'll be okay till September. Just a quick question to Beth. Uh, are you audited? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just say not only are we audited, we're very heavily regulated by the PRA and the FCA. Um, the FSA, which the government um, got rid of last year, didn't do a very good job on most things, it has turned out. And I can tell you the PRA are determined they're going to be doing a good job. Um, and so we were regulated very heavily. I am very concerned about the uh, political aspect here where um, people are in trouble and yet the MPs are very often saying well, it's all there, but it isn't there. And things take a long time to happen, as you rightly pointed out. People don't get benefits immediately. And this question of going into hospital and coming out again, perhaps going back again, you know, is, is just churning the issue. Now, it seems to me that we as churches ought to be in some way getting together and campaigning against this. Um, is there any move afoot to do that? I'm going to say, I know in work, you know, I'm involved with the food bank in Wokingham, and, um, you know, yeah, the, uh, Redwood, it, 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 it wasn't all that supportive of the thing, but he seems to be changing his attitude a bit now. But, you know, there's always this attitude that people are on the bank, you know, people are coming to food banks and uh, bringing up their wives to come and uh, uh, pick them up in, the, in their old choice to take the food out of them. That's an exaggeration to prove the point, but you know, that's the sort of attitude. But the main question is, you know, ought we not be getting together and making a concerted effort to influence our local MPs uh, to make them aware that this is a real problem? Thank you. Sue, do you want to respond to that? We can disagree. Say yes, we should. I think we're all having a little bit frightened of upsetting the apple cart a lot of the time. Indeed, indeed. I think the people that are, in, are, are involved in food banks are probably too busy sometimes to get involved on the political side. And I think once you start going down the political route, not everyone agrees and it becomes quite messy, but I don't know if you want to I'm extremely grateful to the bishops um, for actually taking the cause up and beginning to champion the cause of getting help for people who are in need. Uh, unfortunately, we are also part of the Trussell Trust. 
Carl the Trust and Trust is a bit of a misnomer. We support the Trust and Trust. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we pay them money. All right. We are all volunteers, uh, but we pay them. And unfortunately, some of the information the bishops got from the Trust and Trust was marketing rather than actual. And uh, they really needed the, the statistics direct from the food banks to tell them that the biggest problem is benefit delays, the second biggest problem is low income which affects the unemployed and the working poor. And at least people are now beginning to realise that we do have working poor. John Redwood has been to the working food bank. I took him round, I even took him down in the basement where we keep our major stock of food. There seems to be a problem within the Conservative, Conservative Party. They, they claim that they want a big society. They want a society where local people volunteer to support, support other local people. How could you possibly have a better example of that than a food bank? where all the people are volunteering, all the food is donated, and we're helping people who are poor in our society. But they've got a real mental block against it because of, of this impression that people come along and they get their food forever from a food bank. It doesn't happen. We don't let it happen. We make sure that they are needing, and we're looking at their situation holistically, so that we can get them out of the problem which is causing them not to have enough food and get them moving on. The Trussell Trust used to say three food, three food parcels in your act. I don't think any of the food banks actually apply that anymore because the situation has changed and it takes longer than that to sort out the problem. But what most food banks, I'm sure, are like ours will do is to make sure that people are taking steps to get themselves out of that situation. And we need the politicians to realise we're not a solution, we don't want to be a solution, we're a band-aid, we're a plaster on a problem, on a short-term problem, and we're trying to help people get past that. Thank you. No response. Can I just tell you what my church was in Woodley? We have a poverty forum in the autumn of last year, and one of the things that came out of the poverty forum was that we would lobby our MPs, and Rob Wilson would say exactly the same as John Redwood. That's um, coming from central office, it really is. Yeah, and, and wasn't, just wasn't interested. Um, and now we have a group of people who regularly write, not only to the press, but to the MPs. Not only to our local MPs, but to MPs of other parties that are interested in the things that we're doing. So, yes, if you are not politically active, then you are failing because um, it, it's that sort of political activism that makes the MPs know what's going on. They can't live in those ivory towers forever. They have to realise, uh, and I think Miliband's got on, not Labour, Miliband gets onto something when he's now talking about the working poor. Um, I'm not sure he's expanded it properly, nor it properly, but yeah, if we don't tell them that, do they know what we think? Let's, let's give Jamie a chance to be 
helps to work together as well. So we're talking about how churches work together. I think the church has a voice. Um, I say politics is messy, but it's also really important and it's sort of how things change. Um, so I agree with you that it's very important, but I, I personally um, don't know of a unified effort to um, bring attention to, to certain things. I mean, there's a lot of talk in the media currently about cost of living crisis and, and various things affecting, but I, I think it'd be fantastic to, to uh, bring focus more specifically. Um, and there's a lot of things in the media that are just totally wrong, like we're saying about the sort of how people use services that we've been talking about are used. And um, so I think it'd be great to highlight that as well. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I just agree. Okay, so okay, thank you. I think we've probably got time for one more question because we are coming back to um, something else in a moment. So, Peter, there we are. Um, mine is probably a question which starts to delve to food banks. I know you've given the city of wonderful examples and they are the real based ones. You had a situation, you said, and you particularly said you had empathy with people who were drug addicts, who uh, spent their money the wrong way. How often do these people continue to come back to you with that situation, which means they haven't got food because they have, in a way, people who lose their jobs, they will get their rent paid and after a while, they'll get their benefits. So, do you continually pay to these people, or are they only limited to twice? And equally, when you give out the coupons, how much inquiry is made into the person's position? Thank you. Well, the guidelines are that somebody should be given help three times in six months or something like that. But we but we in Crowthorn, the people that are on the front line and actually work with clients find that really hard when people come back and are still in need. We do work with one guy who is definitely an alcoholic and he admits it and every time he comes we talk to him about whether he's still making his appointments with his group that he should be going to, whether he's kept his benefit appointments. So we encourage him to do the right things, but he hasn't got the wherewithal within himself to do the right things because his need is so great. It's a real dilemma. We haven't got the answers. What do you do if you've got and if somebody's coming back said to you several times, you get to know that person. And it's no longer a client, it's somebody you know and has almost become a friend. And it's really hard to turn them away. So it's an ongoing tension. If you can signpost people to the right to help, but you can't make them avail themselves of it. So it's really very, very hard and we struggle with this all the time. And I think the longer you keep going, the more people come back and you get to know them, and it's a real, real problem. I think uh, it's highlighted a really uh, tricky area, and it's a real tightrope, I would say. Um, I think one of the really good things about the voucher system is that um, can be uh, uh, g- 
given by community frontline professionals. So you're saying about how much the uh, people giving the vouchers know about people's situation. Well, sometimes loads. Sometimes they've been into their houses if it's like community development workers and things. People that may have been working with families and individuals for a long time. I think that's that's really uh, important information, and I think it will be really good. I mean, ours is the youngest food bank, and <laughs> that was not a big game at all. But I'd love to develop better relationships with those guys. So, for example, if someone has uh, been uh, sort of had an issue with their benefits, if we knew how long that was for, then we could work with them over that period until money comes back. And, and if the more we know, uh, the more help we can be. So I think it's important. Uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a difficult problem, but it's important to work with other sort of frontline community professionals to um, find the solutions. Thank you. Not all the food banks are trust and trust food banks, or all the food banks work on a voucher system. So some food banks people can just go in and, and get food. Um, certainly for us, we only give one emergency voucher from the food bank, and then we then we refer them to the aid agencies where they can look at the whole situation and then they come back with, a, with that. We will refuse food if we think it's not, if, if we think the person is playing the system or if um, we, have, we have one guy who we know, um, yes, we shouldn't be feeding them because it's feeding another habit, so we're not, we're not doing anything. Okay, thank you. Um, Often at the end of um, a discussion like this, we like to finish on an upbeat note, but I don't think that would be appropriate for this evening. I think the questions, the, the issues that have been raised are so deep-seated, so important for us, and especially as Christians and members of local churches, um, that I thought that it would be a good way to finish by inviting each of the panel members, to whom we're extremely grateful, um, for giving up their time and coming and speaking with such um, such uh, enthusiasm and passion for something that clearly has affected them. But to ask each of them to offer us a text from the Bible. Uh, and I think we're going to start uh, with Sue, but I want this to be the last thing, so I'll just give my notices for the future. Um, <laughs> Next week, we're looking at poverty from a slightly different angle. Uh, the Lent lecture is by Hugh Wakeling, who's currently in South Africa, but he's going to be talking about his experiences of visiting Mityana in Uganda uh, and addressing different, quite different aspects of poverty on an international basis. And the following week, yet another aspect of poverty when we have Mabel Boyd from Churches in Reading Drop-In Centre coming to tell us about the work of uh, the Drop-In Centre, so specifically focusing on homeless people. So please do come to those um, and we all probably have a lot to learn uh, in both directions. But thank you all uh, very much indeed. And probably, actually, I'll tell you what, let's give you a round of applause. Now, So, Sue, I think you were going to start 
simply on the basis that you're speaking the Old Testament. So I'm reading from Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly, will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Thank you. We're just going to have a moment of quiet while we just reflect on that passage before we hear James. Here's uh, Romans 12, uh, verses 14 to 16. I'm reading from the message translation. Bless your enemies, no cursing over your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and shed tears when they're down. Get along with each other, don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies, don't be a great somebody.